Good morning, everybody. How is everybody feeling? Feeling good? Looking good? Look good, feel good. Is that right? I look good today. <laughs> so I feel good today. But I got my really cool shirt on that I've wore for the past two weeks um, on Sunday. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's excellent. It's a, it's a really great quote that Albie came up with in her sleep. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't heard the story, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, she was getting ready to do a children's church training, and um, anytime Albie has to do something stressful, uh, the, the for some reason she dreams about it the night before. Does anybody else dream about the things they have to do the next day? So Albie's one of those people. She'll if it's something that she's worried about or stressing out about, she dreams about it. So she was dreaming about doing this uh, teachers' training, this meeting, and in the meeting she had this really, really excellent. Well, actually, it was from Ben, right, Albie? Ben told her, he said, Albie, I would like for everybody just to say, ever since life has been once. And um, so she had all of her teachers uh, repeating that. You know how Pastor Ben likes to have us repeat things in our sermons, in his sermons from time to time. <laughs> so he has, she has the entire uh, teacher's crew in her dream uh, repeating, ever since life is on once. Ever since life is on once. So it's happening, and, uh, and she wakes up, and she's saying it out loud as she wakes up. And <laughs> she made the mistake of telling me. And uh, so I couldn't let that go. I worked that into the teacher's training that day. And then one of her beautiful friends made me this shirt that says, Ever since life is on once. And so I'm just going to wear it because it's her birthday, and she deserves some, uh, some recognition, right? <laughs> Happy birthday, Albie. Happy birthday. Aw. How sweet of everyone. So uh, I didn't plan on telling that story, actually, but um, it's always a good, funny story. I really enjoy it. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Dusty. I'm the student pastor here at the bridge. And um, every year, Pastor Ben likes us to go through the 16 fundamental truths of the AG and what we believe as the bridge church. And these... Fundamental truths, if you go on the AG website and just begin reading, um, might put you to sleep if you're not careful. Um, and so I'm going to try my very best to, um, to do this in a way that's not too boring. But anytime you have a biblical stance in the Bible, anytime that you are trying to um, tell people what you believe, you better have scripture that backs up what you believe. Amen. You have to be able to go to the Word of God and show why you believe what you believe. The AG has done a great job of this. There's several scriptures that back up um, the, the fundamental truths. And so far, we have gone through 11 of them. And if you remember, I started the, the, the fundamental truths off at the beginning of the year. It was the infallible Word of God. And we all broke into groups, and you guys talked about how... Um, um, the Word of God, sometimes people say that it means this or it doesn't quite mean that, but they're not just, they're taking little snippets and they're making it mean what they want it to mean. And uh, we tried to disprove some things in the Bible. It was really cool. And um, a lot of you really enjoyed that, I heard anyway. And so today we're going to look at the 12th fundamental truth, which is divine healing. How many people in the room um, would like to see more divine healings in life? Absolutely. I don't think there's a single hand that wasn't raised. I think we all want to see more divine healing. 
especially in today's day where sickness is running rampant and this thing's happening um, all over the place. It's kind of wild. We want to see God's hand moving and working, and we want to see this happening. So sometimes, you know, that could be a touchy subject for some people, divine healing, because some people receive healing, and then some people don't receive healing, and there really kind of seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. It's just this person was healed, and this person wasn't, and this person's still sick, and this person's better, and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to at least me in my feeble mind. I don't, I look at it, and I go, God, how does that make sense? So it can be a touchy subject, at least for me. So my intention this morning is to take us on a journey to discuss um, how healing works today, how healing worked in the Bible, and most importantly, I want us to discuss what to do when you receive a no, what to do when the healing doesn't come, and you're left with bitterness, and you're left with um, distress, and you're left with anger towards God, and you don't understand, and you're confused. So I want to talk about that. So the AG and the Bridge Church believes this to be true about divine healing. Divine healing is an integral part of the gospel. Deliverance from sickness is provided for in the atonement and is the privilege of all believers. That is our stance, and that's what we believe. It is an integral part of the gospel. And the scriptures that we use to back those up, I'm just going to blaze through them really quickly. If you want to write these down um, and take a look at them later, if you ever wonder about healing or if you want to know why we believe what we believe, you can look up these verses. It's Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. It says, Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought... His troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Matthew eight sixteen through 17. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. James 5, 14 through 16. Like I said, I'm blazing through these. You want to write them down. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders for the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's good news, isn't it? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Thank God for that. So that is the three key scriptures that the AG uses to back up their belief that healing is an integral part of Christianity. So I wanted to kind of look at what healing looked like in the Bible. What did that look like? And can any of you, if you're sitting there thinking, can you think to a time in the Bible where healing happened? Think of any of it. I think you say Lazarus, is what you said. So you got Lazarus, 
You got some other ones. I know Pastor Ben mentioned the woman with the bleeding who touched the hem of Jesus' garment as he was walking through. Power went out of, out of him, and he said, your faith has made you well. It was an instant healing. Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, what? Come forth. And he came forth. It wasn't four days later he came forth. It wasn't after a series of treatments he came forth. It was right now he came forth. The healing to the woman with the bleeding issue was instant. So most times what we see in the Bible is that when God heals someone, it's an instantaneous healing. It's something that happens right now, and that's a divine healing. And that's what they believe to be true. That's what I believe to be true about a divine healing is that it is instant. It is right now. We don't have to wait on it. We're not going through treatment for it, usually. Now, can God heal through doctors? Absolutely. Does that look different? I think it does. I think it looks like the treatment process. I think it has the doctor's visits. I think those are healings through our physicians and through our medical field. But I think a divine healing, when we say divine, that's an instantaneous healing. So I have just a couple of instances in the Bible where Jesus heals. And um, this one is from Matthew 8, 2 and 3. It says, Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out, touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. It was instant. It was an instant thing. Was he willing? Yes, I'm willing. You're healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappears. That's excellent. That's wonderful news. That's a divine healing. The second is um, there was four men carrying a paralyzed man. This is in Mark 2, 3 through 12, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. So they can't get into this, this building. And so they dig a You ever seen, like, you ever heard of this story? Most of you may have. But they dig a hole in the roof, and they lower this man down through the roof and Jesus says my child your sins are forgiven and when he did that there was a lot of uh, teachers of religious law around they were saying this is blasphemous you can't heal you can't take away sin only God can take away sin and Jesus calls them out and says why are you thinking this he says is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or stand up pick up your mat and walk so I'll prove to you that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers, and uh, they were all amazed. That was instant. It was an instantaneous healing that happened because Jesus willed it to happen. That was a divine healing. And there's a time in Matthew um, where Jesus... Not only is he healing folks, but he empowers others to heal. He gives them the gift to heal. And it's in Matthew 10, 1, he says, says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. So it's not just Jesus now that's going to be doing healing. It's the disciples also who are going to be doing healing. It's people who love Jesus. It's people who follow him. If you're a disciple of Jesus you can receive the gift of healing. 
And that's good news for today. So Peter and John, after this, they're going uh, to a temple one afternoon um, to do their 3 o'clock prayer service, and uh, they approach the temple. And at this time, there's a man who had been carried to the gate, and he's laid by the gate every day so that he can beg for money for those who are coming in and out of the temple. And he sees uh, Peter and John, and, and he begins to beg. And they say, well, Peter looks at him intently, has him look at him, and says, listen, I don't have any gold, I don't have any silver, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. What I do have, I'll give to you. I said that yesterday to, um, to some people who were collecting money out on the um, at Walmart. I was leaving Walmart, and there were some people out there collecting money in buckets. The Shriners, the Shriners are out there. And I never carry cash, and so I had like a pocket full of change for some reason. I think I was going to give it to BGMC or something. <laughs> and um, I, was, I don't know if you're like this, but I feel super guilty whenever people are taking up money and I have money in my pocket. I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like i got to give it to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that weird feeling like I need to people please them or whatever. And so instead of just rolling up my window, because I was in Albie's car, I had the tinted windows, I could have just ignored them and rolled up the window. Instead of doing that, I left it down, and I was, like, I'm gonna, I was like, I don't have a bunch of money, I just have this little bit of change, and he said, hey, this change will make dollars. I was like, hey, cool, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> what I do have, I'll give to you. Peter says the same thing to this sick man, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly, instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. So by them sharing that gift, he had people, he had come to the temple. Up until that time, he had just been sitting outside the temple waiting for money. Now he wanted to go in and praise God, the God who just healed him. And that's amazing. And that's healing in the Bible. Paul is a powerful performer of healings and different things. If you guys don't like Paul, you need to love Paul. He's amazing, and I love him. And uh, he's a person that I try to be like uh, in the Bible. He wrote a lot of the Bible while he was in prison. And he chooses to be happy no matter what. And he um, is a person that I want to live my life like. But Paul had such power from God. He had such power from him. He had believed and he had prayed and he had been so faithful. And he had such power from God that cloths, handkerchiefs, aprons, anything that had touched Paul's skin, if they would just take those things and carry them to sick people, those people were healed. That's how powerful he had healing in him. That's how strong his faith was. It was possible for healing to happen because of his faith, because of his great faith, and because of the gift that was bestowed upon him by Jesus. Otherwise, there is no healing. So that's healing in the Bible. So that's good news, right? A lot of people usually stop right there. They go, well, yeah, that was in the Bible. That was really cool. When's the last time you heard today that uh, Pastor Ben's uh, handkerchief that he carries around 
touch someone and healed them? Or when's the last time you heard someone say that, you know, last time someone carried in my cajon, they were healed because I'd touched it? You, you know, you don't hear a whole lot of that. You see a lot of the weird stuff on TV of the crusades and the weird healings that happen and people laid out and I'm not bashing any of that. I'm not saying it's not real, but it seems very strange to me that that happens. But at the same time, when's the last time we've seen an actual healing? And so I started asking all these different saints that I know, people who have been Christians for years. And so for the last month, I've been doing some research trying to figure out just when's the last time you saw a divine healing? So I asked several people, and to my dismay, a lot of them said that they hadn't seen one in years. Um, some of them said that they never have saw one, a divine healing, an instantaneous healing. And, um, but there were several who did report, and it was good news. Um, actually, within our own congregation, uh, Sister Betty shared um, a wonderful story of her being healed of breast cancer. And uh, it was just awesome. Uh, I'm not going to tell the entire story, but if you uh, want to know more, I'm sure Sister Betty would be happy to share her story with you and, uh, and um, give you a, a wonderful, wonderful blessing just from reading that or hearing that story. I got, uh, it'll strengthen your faith, I guarantee that. And then um, Bonnie, she had mentioned that um, she had a bone stuck in her throat one time. And she couldn't get the chicken bone out of her throat. Like, it was just really bothering her. She was having trouble eating and drinking. She couldn't breathe hardly. And if you know Bonnie, she don't like to go to the doctor. So it was, she just wasn't going to go. <laughs> so uh, finally, they convinced her that if it doesn't come out soon, you're going to have to go. And she said, so on the way home from work one day, she was started singing in the spirit. And as she was singing in the spirit, she said before she got to that first gas station, off the off the Carl Perkins Bridge, that bone released or whatever it was released and came out. And she said, as she was singing in the spirit, that instantaneously happened. And so that was a really cool story. And then Pastor Rodney Goodlett, he's the district youth director uh, for our uh, for the Kentucky uh, AG. Um, he told stories of children at youth camps this summer being healed of lupus um, instantly. Um, back issues, scoliosis issues, uh, being healed, ankles being healed, um, and not only those things, but several mental health and emotional healings. Did you guys know that that can be a healing as well? Did you know that it's not just physical whenever you talk about healing, it's mental as well? And I think today, at least I've seen more instantaneous mental health healings than I have physical health for me. Um, and for myself, as far as like a physical one, I've seen what I perceive to be an instantaneous divine healing. Um, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, um, and we were at St. Mary's Hospital waiting for her to have a surgery to have the cancer removed. They were going to remove half of her lung. And I went in, and I anointed her with oil, and I prayed for her, and I prayed with her. And she goes into the operating room, and uh, they're doing this operation, and they come in, the doctors come into the waiting room, and they tell us, hey, we think your mother's having a heart attack. Um, so they're like, the next few moments are really critical. So we begin to pray, and my brother Brandon goes off to the bathroom, and he begins to pray. And we're just asking, 
for God's continued provision and his hand upon this situation. And so the doctor comes back in about maybe seven minutes later, and he goes, it was weird. We had proof of the, of the heart attack on the EKG that was there. He said, now we've taken another one, and there's nothing. We can't even see it. He's like, there's not a, there was no heart attack whatsoever. And so I believe that to be a divine healing. I think there was, and I think there was no longer because we prayed, we had faith, and that happened. And that was an amazing thing. I, I felt really, and even the doctor who was, I don't know if you've met doctors. Some of you work with doctors. Some of them have uh, their own little God complex going on. Um, they believe that they you know, are the power. And this doctor certainly had that, uh, he seemed like this kind of doctor to me anyway, just by the way he would talk and how he'd carry himself. But he came in to the waiting room and he said, listen, he said, I don't know if you guys are praying folks. He said, but something miraculous happened in that place, in that operating room. He said something miraculous happened in there. And I was like, wow, that's really cool for him to admit that. And so that was an awesome divine healing moment for me. So does divine healing still happen today? My answer is yes. I believe that it does. I've seen things, I've heard stories, and if you have questions, I encourage you to go and ask saints, ask people, go be inquisitive. Find out for yourself, does healing still happen? Can it still happen today? Yes, it absolutely can. My last point um, is one that even though I have experienced that divine healing, this last point is one that... Um, hits harder than any of them. Um, for some reason, as a human race, I believe we focus more on the negative than we do the positive, don't we? We have trouble getting out of negativity. We have trouble staying in a positive mindset. I had the mindset this morning when I woke up that I was going to be positive. I was going to be happy. I was going to get here on time. I was going to get the printer set up for the check-in system you know it was going to be awesome because we're going to get our printers set up and I don't have to deal with it again because I have a headache but I was positive about it so I walk in here late <laughs> check number one get everything back over here or try to help with setting up the screens and all that and then I got to go get the printer check-in and that's the part I've been dreading so I finally get out there. Me and Albie don't know where we're putting stuff. So we're like, where are we putting stuff? Albie, Albie don't know. What are we going to do, Albie? And so here I am trying to stay positive, but we're just like standing still and nothing's happening and I'm feeling pressure because I got to preach today and I haven't had a chance to look at my sermon notes. I'm trying to stay positive here. <laughs> it's not working. So I'm like, all right, we just got to get things done. We get the, we get the printer set up. We get on this table and I get the laptop out and I'm telling you if you've never you need to try this you need to try to connect the printers one time to the Wi-Fi you just need to try it alright and you'll know my pain and uh, so I'm sitting there and nothing's working my computer shuts down start it back up uh, 
had to start the process all over again two times. Um, getting more increasingly, increasingly agitated. <laughs> Anybody relating with this at all? Yes. So here I am, and Albie comes up, and she goes, are you okay? I was like, no. <laughs> no. But I'm going to choose to be happy. Yeah, I said that. I said, I'm going to choose to be happy today. And she walked, she was like, good, that's nice, because it's my birthday. I want you to be happy. I'm like, I want to be happy, too, because it's your birthday. So she walks away, and I'm like, I am going to be happy. I'm just going to choose that. And she walks away, and literally, she comes back around the corner, and I'm like this. Like, rubbing my face. I'm like, what? The computer had shut down again. So I was like, okay, happiness isn't going to happen with this printer. And then so I give up, right? So I give up. Right when I give up, the thing starts printing. I was like, are you kidding me? What? What is this? So then I'm like, great, now we got that. We got some labels running back and forth. I get in here. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have a few minutes to look at my sermon notes. It's, but it's, you know, two minutes till time to start. So I did. I got like two seconds. I was trying to stay positive. But it's hard to stay positive. It's hard to believe that good things can still happen when you're upset and when you're angry. And my last point is when God says no, and if you've never received a no, then it's really hard. That's really hard. So as I was, as most of you know, we were moving uh, recently, and as I was moving, we came across um, some things, or I came across some things packing up um, my old childhood home and... um, uh, a lot of things that we found that belonged to my dad. And um, in 2011, my father passed away of lung cancer. Um, in 2010, August of 2010, I just got off a shift at Walmart. I worked at Walmart. That was So the story's starting off bad right off the gate. Um, <laughs> so I worked at Walmart. I just finished a shift, 7 to 4. And I remember, like it was yesterday, it was a sunny day. It was really pretty. I remember that because I was mad about it later. But I was driving to the end of the parking lot, and I could see Bob Evans, right? There's Bob Evans there in New Boston at the end of the parking lot. And I get a phone call from my brother, and he says, listen, I got bad news. You know, Dad has lung cancer, um, and it's stage four. And at that time, I'm yeah, I'm 21 years old or 20, 20 years old, but I had no clue what stage four meant. I didn't know what that was. Um, I didn't know there was different stages, so I just knew that I heard the word cancer, lung cancer. And in that moment, my whole world kind of paused. And I say that, but you know how, like, time doesn't stop, but you ever see, like, the movies where, like, things are happening, and there's this, you're just, like, you're just, like, zoned out. Like, the things are still happening. I was driving, I was talking on the phone, but, like, I don't remember anything that Brandon said after that. I don't remember what I told him. I just remember... uh, I went back to a time when my mother received that same phone call about her dad sitting in the living room. We were all sitting around watching TV, just having a good evening. And she receives a phone call from my grandma that says, hey, your dad has cancer. And I remember her screaming and yelling, no, this isn't fair, this isn't fair, this isn't fair. And I remember that same emotion, that this is not fair emotion. 
And so I tell my brother, like, hey, I got to go, man. I'm, I'm getting ready to start driving. I'll be home shortly. We can talk. And I'm sitting there at that stupid red light by Bob Evans that never wants to turn green for some dumb reason. It's the worst. And I'm sitting there, and I am just begin to pray, like, God, please, 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 please don't let this, don't let this be bad. Let, let my dad be healed. Please don't, don't, don't take my dad. I remember <laughs> I remember it was like um, in my truck it's you know really a little truck and I could swear that I heard a voice <laughs> as if it was sitting right next to me in my truck say no so I don't like being told no so I did what everybody does when they're told no. I begged, <laughs> please, please, please. No. So I drove home in silence that day, and I don't remember much, but I remember being really angry that it was so pretty outside because <coughs> I didn't think it should be receiving news like that, I thought it should be one of the ugliest days I've ever seen in my life. <coughs> but it wasn't, it was beautiful. And uh, as I was cleaning out our house, I found this picture of my dad. It's not a well picture of him. He was sick then. But we used this um, on his little box that he put out. We didn't have a whole lot of money growing up, but we had what we needed. But where he worked, he didn't have medical insurance, so he, we couldn't get him the help that he needed, so we needed to ask for help from the community. And if you know me or my dad, if you knew him, we don't like asking for help. So that was hard, but we put these out. <laughs> you know, God bless you. <laughs> Need help. And so I took that off that stupid box, um, I'm going to keep that. And then I found this little thing here. It's a little tablet, and it had globe written on it. I was like, what is this? I wonder what this could be. And I opened it up, and it's actually my mother's journal. She had kept a journal throughout my dad's sickness. And uh, I, I didn't know she kept this. I don't even know she knows if it even still exists. I probably won't tell her. But um, and she started writing in January 4th, and she goes on sporadically. It's just here and there. It's, um, but she talks about on January 4th that Dad had been telling her that he'd been feeling really well, and he had been, uh, it seemed that he had been distancing himself from her and from us kids a little bit because he was trying to protect her from being hurt if, she ever, if he ever did actually pass away, and he was trying to protect her. So he was, you know, lying to her, telling her that he's feeling good, and um, he came clean on January 4th and said that he was actually feeling really terrible, and he cried. My dad doesn't cry. So that was tough. And I'm just reading through his first chemo treatments. And I'm remembering all these things happening. 
and I get to April 24th, the day after my birthday, they went to my brother's house. I remember that day. I didn't go with them. I wanted to hang out with Albie. <laughs> kind of wish I would have went. At this time, Dad was having a lot of trouble walking. He was walking with a cane. June 15th, we get bad news. The CT scan comes back bad. June 16th, my grandmother passes away unexpectedly. Congestive heart failure. My mother is whirling, spinning out of control. Her life is on fire. Now I get to this part. And my mother's handwriting is pretty good, <laughs> but not here. Here it's really bad. You can tell she's distressed and angry. And her first words are, I'm so frustrated. I just want Doug to get better. We all did. And she writes out that prayer that I prayed in the truck that day. <laughs> please, please, please. And when I got there to that part, I lost it <laughs> like I am now. And Albie found me in the living room. I was sitting there crying my eyes out. <laughs> and uh, she said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> And I said, my dad just wanted to get better. My mom just wanted him to get better. And I just wanted him to get better. Why didn't God heal him? I know what God's word says. It says that if I pray and I have faith, that it'll happen. But it didn't happen didn't happen. Why? So what do you do when God says no? What do you do when that healing doesn't come? How do you keep your faith and move forward after that? Can I tell you it's hard? Can I tell you that it's still hard today? I still struggle with it today. I still don't understand today. But I believe life is about choices. I believe we get to choose a lot of things in our life. I believe that in life, if you're going to have, I think the psychologists or scientists say that every day we get to make 35,000 plus decisions. Every day you get to make those decisions. So I'm going to give you just a really quick couple things that you can do every single day. When you, you receive a no, when something doesn't happen the way you prayed for it to happen, here's some things that you can do to keep your faith and keep it strong. And they're choices. They're choices. Because in crisis, you do one of two things. 
You either run from God or you run to God. I ran to him. My mother, who was one of the most devout Christians I've ever seen in my life, ran from him. So I've seen both things. I've seen how they work out, and I would much rather choose the path that runs to him. So every day I choose to be happy. I choose to be happy every day because I have to. Because happiness isn't something that you earn. It's not something that you find. It's not something that you can buy. It's something that you choose. You will choose it. Abraham Lincoln said, I reckon people are about as happy as they made up their minds to be. And man, he's right. If you choose happiness every single day, if you choose it, no one can take that from you because that's your choice. Choose to be happy. Choose to believe that happiness is there. And the way I like to do that is I like to see things from God's perspective or try to see it from God's perspective. How, how does this pan out? God, what are you doing? And it pains me to say this, but I can look back on a lot of events that happened since my father's passing that never would have happened unless he did pass. Good things. Good things. If he hadn't passed away, there's a lot of things in my life that would not have happened for me. Can God take a terrible situation and work it for good? Absolutely. And that's one of my most favorite things about God is that he will take a bad situation and he can work good out of it even though it sucks and it hurts and you don't understand he can still take good from it. You choose that. Choose that. The second thing I do is I choose to trust God. Hebrews 10.35 says, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. I choose to trust him. I choose to trust that his ways are better than my ways. I choose to trust that he had a great divine plan. And I choose to believe that his plan is better than mine. And the third thing I do is I choose to accept grace. Because I'm not perfect. And I mess up. I doubt and I get angry and I need God's grace in those moments I'm just so thankful that he looks at me and says gosh what a goof <laughs> what a goof he is but I still love him what a mess up can't get anywhere on time <laughs> can't figure out the stupid printers before church what a dummy but I love him, he's mine, you know. God loves me no matter what. I choose to accept that grace. I choose to accept it, and you can too. You can too. Hebrews 4, 6 says, Let us then in confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. It's powerful stuff. His grace is powerful stuff. And the last thing I do, and it's kind of what Leslie had said earlier during worship, is that I choose worship. I choose to worship. Even in the middle of storms, I choose to worship. 
No matter what that looks like, I choose to worship. I choose to lift my hands and say, God, you give and you take away. But I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I know you love me. I know you care about me, and I know you got a plan for my life. I get it. I accept it. And I pray, and I praise, and I worship. You can do that, too. And there's going to be days where you come into church and you don't want to. There's going to be days where you come in and you don't have the mental capacity to even think about anything else. And you lift your hand. You choose to worship. You lift that hand. And you say, I surrender, God. I'm here. I'm yours. (laughs) Something special happens. Something special happens. It's beautiful. So does healing still happen? Yes. Healing does still happen. Yes, absolutely. I believe it. I believe that God can still heal. I believe that he does miracles still. Nothing is impossible with my God. But also I want you to be prepared for when God says no. Because that's a very real, real thing. And when you have that situation, when you know that's real, you know it could come and you know it could happen. And you know what to do when it does. Then you have the upper hand. If you've got God on your side and you choose happiness, you choose to trust God, you choose to accept his grace and you choose to worship even in storms. You can't get through it. And that's encouraging to me. So, I love you guys very much. I want you to know that, first of all. And I appreciate you letting me share my story and share with you all today. I'm sorry I made you cry. Um, But if you guys will bow your head and close your eyes, I just want to pray for you really quickly. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for this awesome group. God, what an amazing church you've blessed us with people who are just amazing folks, helpful people, people who are willing to serve. God, what an exciting venture you got us on here. It's a new place. We got these really cool lights. I feel like I'm giving a speech at some kind of awesome summit or something. It's amazing. God, thank you for that. Thank you for the provision that you've given us. God, thank you for healings. Thank you for showing us in your word that it happens. And thank you for showing us today that it still can happen. God, God, thank you for no. Even though it hurts. I still want to thank you. God, I pray that for the people who are in this room right now, God, who have received no or are going to in the future, God, I pray that you give them strength. God, I pray that you put a support group around them, like their church, Father, people who are willing to come around and love them and be there for them when they're feeling like they can't continue, like faith is just something that's made up. 
God, I pray that you just give them so much comfort, the comfort that only you can give. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Love you guys.